All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Bill has a great message for you guys. I hope you're ready. Now let's dive in and see what he's got to say. All right. Last month, you helped me to get clarity on where we want to go. And I've heard a lot of feedback from people that are actually, I got a guy that's a wonderful friend that's a Bible teacher in another city. And he said, I've been waiting on that. I've used the ones you've done before. And we talked about doing leadership through Bible characters. And so I'm going to pick up with one today, and, um, and we'll take off with it, give you some info, and then we'll talk about it, okay? And I do believe this, that a journey through the lives of the Bible characters are going to give you a wealth of life lessons. Uh, I make it a habit every day of my life to read the proverb that corresponds with the day. And by doing that, I'll often find some insight that helps me that day. It's almost like God prepares you in advance. And uh, in the Bible, of course, you know this. you got you got well-known characters and unknown characters. You've got um, great leaders and you've got bad leaders. You've got people that were wonderful successes in their careers, but total failures in their home. And so you'll see courageous decisions and all the rest. Uh, the one I want to use today is a guy named Ahab. Uh, I, I was reminded of him. I thought, you know, I haven't ever taught about him because when I was in Israel, my wife and I went to Israel a, a few months back, just the two of us with a guide. And the guide's name was Ahab. He actually spoke five languages. He was a scholar. We had a great time. And we learned a lot and, and got to do more because we weren't with a group of 60 or 70 that were you know, having to eat, go to the bathroom, get off and off the buses. We were able to move a lot faster. And it just worked out great. But I remember he and I even started talking about Ahab. He said, have you ever preached on Ahab? I said, actually, I've referred to him, but I've never really taught much about him. And he had been named after that. Not after that character, but that was a name in the Middle East. And so I thought today, let me talk about Ahab for you, okay? If you ask the question, who is Ahab? I'll never say the name without thinking about a guy named R.G. Lee who has a famous speech called uh, Payday Someday. And when he introduces Ahab, his opening line is this. He said, Ahab, the vile human toad who squatted upon the throne. And so... When you read that, you see already he doesn't have a good picture or idea of who Ahab was and didn't like him. He's the seventh king of Israel. The Bible says this about him in 1 Kings 21, but there was none like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And uh, he's called the worst of all the kings that ever happened. In fact, he's actually called the worst of all the kings combined. So if he's that bad a guy, you know, we know about the Judases in the Bible. I'd like to know about this guy. And, uh, and, and when Elijah had a confrontation, the first thing Elijah said to him is, Ahab, you sold out your people. And so it appears that Ahab has this reputation for being a sellout over and over. He's a sellout, sellout, sellout. And so he sold out his people. He never stood for anything. Uh, he was never loyal to anyone. And the fact is, is the only one that had a big voice in his life was Jezebel. We'll talk about her in a moment. But let me give you an idea of what a sellout he was. There was a king one time of Syria that came to him and said, Listen, we're going to come in and invade and take over your land unless you give us all of your silver and all of your gold, all of your smartest children, and all of your prettiest women. Now, that was what the king asked for. You know what Ahab did? He didn't bat an eye. He said, Okay. And out of fear of this king and his army, he gave away the silver and gold of the country. He gave away the smartest children, the next generation. And he gave away all the beautiful women just to spare himself. 
So obviously you look at him and say, what a sellout. I mean, what kind of leader is this? And, and I've often said this about this. If you want to be a leader, you're going to have to take a stand somewhere, somehow, sometime. You may not like it, but you have to do it. And, and, and if you want to, why not just start now? You know, there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to make a statement or you're going to make a stand or you're going to have to go against the crowd. And, and when you do that, that's going to set you apart, but it's going to be good for you. And I've often found that, that if you'll just speak your mind, your convictions, and not let everybody else have the day, if you'll speak up for what you believe, you'll, you'll be surprised. There'll be other people that watch that, hear that, and they also will identify with you. All it takes oftentimes is just one or two people who will stand for the convictions. Ahab never did it. In fact, when, Abraham, when Ahab gave up and gave the women, the children, the gold and the silver, you know what he did? He didn't fix the problem. He prolonged it. I often tell people in leadership when you're making a decision, you're actually, by that strategy, you're going to create the very problem you're trying to solve. That is, you're going to create more of the same unless you fix it. You know what happened? A few months later, that king came back to Ahab, and this time he came back and said, listen, now we want to do a thorough search of every person there's home, and anything we like, we want to take it. And Ahab still didn't have the courage to say no. So now he goes and he gets with some of his friends and says, what should I do? And they said, don't let him run, don't let this king run over us. And so now he finally has to take a stand, but he never had the courage to do it the first time. He didn't have the courage to do it the second time. It took the other people around him to make it. And, and I want to tell you, you and I most of the time know, know some decisions we have to make, and, and the courage issue is going to be the reason why we make it or don't make it. And sometimes it's better to just go ahead and make it no matter what it's going to cost or the outcome just because somebody's got to make one. So Ahab was a sellout. Now let me tell you the lesson I learned off that point. He politicked his way to the office. If you, uh, if you look at the history of him, he got there because he politicked his way up. You know, networked, kissed up, befriended, did everything he could to get where he was at. So I got a lesson there on that is this. If you politic your way into your job, you'll never be effective when you get the job. You get that? If you politic your way into the job, you'll never be effective when you get it. I know a lot of people that got a job because they smoothed their way into a job, but when they got there, that's all they knew how to do was smooth. They never knew how to do a job. They weren't promoted because of what they brought to the table. And so when they got the job, they would have endless meetings, a lot of research, a lot of studies, a lot of surveys, meeting after meeting after meeting. I remember a guy that called me a while back I said a while back, probably three or four years ago. And uh, he said, Bill, I'm in this meeting. I'm so frustrated. And I said, who's leading the meeting? And when he told me, I said, no wonder. The, the guy couldn't lead any. He Listen, he couldn't lead a drowning man to grab a life preserver. Th this guy couldn't lead at all. And I said, so here he is in this job where he's supposed to lead. And everybody's frustrated because all he wants to do is have meetings. And I said, that's your problem. And did you know about a year or so later, they got another leader in that spot. And man, they took off and did well, and everybody's happy again. Uh, courage is a big deal in that. But if you politic your way to get a job, you'll never be effective in the job. Uh, let me give you the second thing. He sold out his faith by marrying the wrong woman. Now, we all can think of somebody right now that's married to the wrong spouse, okay? We don't want to say it. I hope it's not any of us. But we do know people that we say, man, who they married either made their life better or made their life worse either gave them an opportunity to go far or just crippled their future. And, and, and Ahab did that. Now, Ahab, he had, a, he had a faith initially, a little faith, not a lot. 
He had a right-hand man that was a devout man of God. So he had that close by. He knew the Mosaic law. He was not supposed to marry a woman outside of his faith, but he broke it anyway when he saw Jezebel and he married her. Now her name is, as I just said, Jezebel. Now that's the kind of name I don't, I don't think when your daughter's born we say, you know, what do we want to name her? Oh, I got a great name. Let's call her Jezebel. Uh, that name has been ruined by this lady's character. Her father was a king that murdered his own brother in order to get the throne. He was also the high priest of a god named Baal. Her name, Jezebel, was in honor of that god, Jezebel. Uh, Jezebel was a god that they worshipped, that they would throw their children, baby children, alive into a fire as a sacrifice. So you see how, how horrific and how hard-hearted they were. She was mean. I'm telling you, Jezebel was a mean woman. She was cold-blooded. She raised her children to do evil. She had a daughter that became a queen, and her own daughter tried to wipe out the whole lineage of King David. Jesus, who's of that lineage, his whole lineage would have been wiped out. Had it not been for somebody saved a little boy named Joash and hid him away, the whole lineage would have been gone. Jezebel was an instrument in the hands of the devil. Now let me ask, do you know anybody that the devil uses like that in your life? You know anybody that right now maybe they're, they're being used by the devil they don't even know it. I think of several situations I know of where people have told me their situations, and I think that's more than just natural. That's supernatural, and something behind that is constantly bringing a problem. Well, here's what the Bible says about that. It says, and, and Ahab was married to Jezebel who stirred up Ahab. You see that little phrase, stirred up? Um, it tells you what kind of woman she was. That is, there's two levels in her home. It's like the friend of mine, he, he had four daughters, and they were all teenagers. And I asked him one time, I said, well, what's it like in your home with four teenage daughters? He said, Bill, there's two levels. There's drama and trauma. Now, if you ever had that, you know what, what he means. But that was the way it was, obviously, in Ahab's home, drama and trauma. He has a lady who's always on a crusade, always on a campaign, never happy, always upset about something. And that's who he's having to live with. And so... It tells you a little bit about her. He never gets a break. He's, he, Ahab married the wrong woman and stayed married for 40 years. Can you imagine that? 40 years. I was talking with some people the other day that were in a bad marriage. And uh, I was trying to give them consolation. And I would tell them about a pastor I knew that his wife would hide his clothes before he went to preach on Sunday. Or hide his Bible. Or hide his sermon. Or do anything she could just to aggravate him. She was so against him. The problem was I was telling some guys that have had worse situations than this. And they were saying, oh, you think that's bad. Let me tell you what my wife does. And they started telling me how bad it is and how few times they even sleep in their own home. And yet they're still married. And I asked one of them, I said, now, why is it? And here's what he said. He said, I'm not going to divorce. I committed myself to live with her, though it's been the worst many years of my life. And he said, and everybody's begged me to leave, but I'm not leaving. I'm staying in there and I'm praying for and all that. And I couldn't help but think, man, what a high view of marriage. I mean, here's a guy with a great view. I know some people that will walk out if you burn the toast, you know. I know some people, if you, if you just don't do or ask what they, what they, what they want, they're out. And so these, these guys had a high view. I don't know that Ahab had that. Ahab was married to a woman that was wicked, but it was because he was political and she was too. Now, here's some things she did. She introduced the worship of Baal to the nation and corrupted it. She erased the name of Jehovah God everywhere she found it. She tried to kill all the preachers, and, uh, and only a few escaped. 
And then she tried to tear down all of the altars to Jehovah God. So when she came in, she took over and tried to ruin everything. Now, what I tell you about this is this. Be careful of who you marry, okay? Be very careful. If you're single, uh, take your time and walk slow. Uh, think about it. It doesn't mean you'll marry a perfect one no matter what you do, but I'm telling you that's one of the biggest decisions of your life, and who you marry is highly important because that decides a lot about your purpose, your destiny. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, you remember it was Eve that was the voice in Adam's ear? Adam knew better. Eve was deceived, but Adam, it says, sin knowingly. He knew better, but he listened to Eve rather than saying, we're not going to do this. Same thing happened with Sarah. Sarah and Abraham, they had a good thing going. They didn't have a child. They wanted one. But Sarah got this great plan in mind. I'll let Abraham sleep with the handmaiden. They'll have a child. And she talked Abraham into doing that. He didn't want to, but she talked him into it. And after she did, we've got this Middle Eastern conflict today between the Arabs and the Jews. And it all started under the children of Sarah and Hagar. Those kids were the reason that we have that big conflict today. And then there's Solomon. Let me give you the example of him. In 1 Kings 4, it tells about how Solomon began, the wisest man in the world. 1 Kings 4.29, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceedingly more than others, and large heart, that is, he was compassionate, even as the sand of the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled all the wisdom of all the children of the east and all the wisdom of Israel, for he was wiser than all men, and his fame was in all the nations. That's Solomon on the very top. But after Solomon brings into his life over a thousand women, he's got a lot of voices and a lot of people to please, now, here's how he finished up. It says in, in uh, later on, it came to pass Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart away from God and after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, and he went not fully after the Lord like his father David did. Solomon eventually did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's Solomon, the guy that's the smartest man in the world, wisest man in the world, and somehow the voices in his life, his own spouses turned him. Now, it, it makes me afraid because of this. If what happened to the wisest man of the world could happen to him, I don't think it couldn't happen to me. I don't think it couldn't happen to anyone. I mean, so be very careful. Even in a marriage, some of you are married to wonderful spouses, but there are going to be times that you're going to have to put your foot down and say, I'm not going that direction. There are going to be times that even the people you love the most, if you know what you're supposed to do, you need to do what you do regardless of who it offends or hurts. And that, that's a right that you have, but a responsibility you have. And the reason is because who you marry influences your leadership. Here's a question I'd ask. Does my spouse make me a better person? That's a good question to ask. Does my spouse make me a better person? And the second question is, do I make my spouse a better person? Are they better since they've lived with me than they were before? And, and that's the question you want to know. Many of you men, your wives are kind of like a flower, and you can crush it, or you can let that thing flourish. You can do everything that you know how to do to make that thing flourish and and uh, and and look well, and or you can beat her down by berating, belittling, and 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 the key is going to be in your life. You get to decide what you want to do, and and I just believe that when it comes to marriage, we can go to the top without all the other help in the world if we have a spouse right there with us. And we can't gain any kind of peace, no matter what we accomplish, if we're not in harmony at home. And so that was the issue with him. He married the wrong woman. I'll give you the third little thing about him real quick, and that's this. 
One other thing about, about uh, Ahab is he was a baby when he didn't get his way. Here's what he did. One time he was walking uh, by his palace. He saw this vineyard and he wanted to plant a garden. Now, he, he already had everything. He was the king. But, you know, sometimes you can't ever be satisfied. Here's a guy that's got more than anybody else, but he still wants more. And so he goes to the neighbor, Nabal, and says, will you sell me this? And Nabal says, no. And Nabal declined it. And, and Nabal had a right to. The, the law taught that Nabal was supposed to keep the land that his father had given him as an inheritance. And the law also said no king's supposed to come and take your land away. So Nabal was within his rights. So now Nabal says no. The king says, Ahab says, I'll give you a better piece of land. He said no. Now he's told no twice. And instead of saying, okay, I'll, I'll find something else. Or, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the creator's will. He didn't. He went back to his room. And the Bible seriously says this. He lay down in his bed. He turned his face to the wall. He refused to eat. And he began to cry and pout. Now, is that like a kid? Now, here's the king acting like a baby. And, and so he's over here crying. And his wife, Jezebel, after she gets through with her four or five hour makeup endeavor, she comes walking through and she looks at him. He's all in fetal position. She said, what's the matter, big boy? And she's wondering why he's over there whining and crying. And, and uh, he pouts and says, Nabal won't sell me his vineyard. And instead of her saying, well, big deal, you know what she does? She coddles this little baby. She says, well, you're the king, aren't you? Why don't you go out and get it? And so he goes out and he kills Nabal, takes his vineyard, and that was the end of him. That was when God said, that's enough. Now, what's interesting is when I read that, I can't help think, what a baby. I mean, just what a baby. Just, just grow up. You know, I mean, some of you, some of you are going to meet one day in your marriage. You're going to meet a couple that maybe you find some husband or wife couldn't get where they want to be because they were just a baby about everything. And the, and the spouse, instead of helping him, the spouse didn't. The spouse said, grow up. I remember a time years ago, I was on a staff as a youth pastor before I became pastor. And the pastor and I had had, a, it wasn't a conflict. It was something he was asking of me that I just didn't want to do. It wasn't unethical. It wasn't illegal or immoral. But it was way beyond my skills and capability and everything I had planned. And he was asking, and he and I had this conflict. And we had a few little words, not bad words. I was very respectful. But I remember telling my wife that I said, okay, I, you know, I'm tired of, I've made my mistakes and I'm cleaning up. Now I'm having to clean up for his. And I said, so I'm leaving. And I'll never forget, we were young in marriage. And my wife grabbed me and said, oh, no, you're not. And I said, what? She said, no, you're not. She said, you're not going to put my life in a curse or under a judgment because you can't just follow his instruction no matter how bad you like it. And I remember thinking, you're kind of brazen this morning. I mean, what are you talking? You, you, you know, I want to say, are you talking to me? You know, are you talking to me? And, and yet, I knew what she was saying was right. If I, had, if I had acted with my emotion, I was going to create a bigger problem. And so I had to stop and logically say, let me just go ahead and persevere and do it. I'm grateful that she stopped me. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't times that I'll make decisions and you know, I've told you that by buying a house, the last one I did, I, I, I really just bought and then assumed she'd be thrilled about it, and, and it took a little while. And so you're going to make decisions at times in your life that maybe everybody's not on board with, but I do believe the way you handle your disappointments is going to tell a lot about you. How you handle your disappointments, not like Nabal or, or Ahab, but how you handle your disappointments is going to have a large part of how far you go in life. 
I believe that leadership is finding ethical ways to get what you want or accepting the no as a part of a divine plan. A little question I have on my desk, I have it written at home, and it's, can God tell you no? Now, I ask myself that at times, can God tell me no? And, and, and the truth is, yes, he can. I don't want to hear it, but, but he can, and he ought to have the right to at all times. So in, in, in essence, here's what happened. There's a, there's a guy that comes to our church when he's in town. There's a professional, uh, we had him speak one time, a professional wrestler named Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. And he had a little slogan called this. He'd say, every man has his price. Well, if anybody in the world has his price, Ahab had his price. He sold out at every corner. He sold out his people. He sold out to his wife. He sold out very easy. So the three things I'll leave you with are this. If you politic your way into a job, you'll never be effective in your job. Be very careful who you marry. That will determine a large part of how far you go in life and how peaceful and happy you are. And the third is how you handle your setbacks are going to reveal who you are as a leader. So that's the lesson today from Ahab. Hope that's been of help to you. Hope you can use some of that at some point. And again, I am glad to be able to be with you today. Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.